0: good morning
1: jeremiah good morning eric
0: how are you i'm
1: doing well how are you
0: good across the continents you know from uh, columbia (laughs) to to,
1: to lancaster it's amazing it's amazing (laughs) it's amazing what technology can do
0: (laughs) for those of you who don't know the area that we live in we probably live five
1: miles away from each other yes yes it it took me writing a play to discover you
0: (laughs) and and vice (laughs) vice versa I I post a lot of I I post a lot about Soren on my social media, and a a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine, happened to note that you were producing that one man play and uh, uh, passed along the information to me. And I'm like, how fortuitous this dude is! uh, Like right right next door. Like what what are the odds? What are the odds that that
1: would would happen? I know. Yeah, we were we were getting ready for our opening night, and this big tall guy walked in (laughs) walked in early. And I thought he must be a Soren Kierkegaard fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was we- probably wearing my Soren shirt. I don't know. It- it's-, it's-, it's bright red. I-, I remember one time I was wearing the shirt and I was up in uh, Lake Placid and uh, I came across a-, a lacrosse team from college, from a college team. They had a tournament up there and I was wearing my Soren, my Soren uh, bright red t shirt. And the, uh, the the kid thought it was a band. He's like, man, what band,
1: <laughs> what band is that?
0: And well, I wept I wept, for, I wept for that generation
1: yes yes well he <laughs> he wasn't too far off you
0: know I mean, well that's that's true we are a, mer- yeah. a merry band of yes people um yes so anyway let's uh, get a little bit into history about you uh tell, sure. us, uh, tell us your uh, story story a little bit and you know in a, in a few minutes so the uh, our fast uh, listening audience can know who you are sure so, so take it away.
1: Well, I grew up in Lancaster. Um, I grew up in the the city schools, um, graduated from McCaskey High School, which had a wonderful theater program, and uh, always knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, You know, I just was always uh, had my heart set on being an actor. And Moved to New York when I was 18. It was kind of an, an open door because I was blessed to get a, an agent um, while I was still in high school. So moved to New York right out of high school. Um, I had kind of the reverse experience that um, is perhaps healthy in the sense that I had all my success happen in the first three years of being there, you know, so a lot of people go to New York and they struggle for years and wait tables. And, you know, they, they work these, these terrible jobs and, you know, they do that for years. Some people never get, you know, have any success in the theater. Um, But for me, it was kind of the reverse. I, I, I got up there and all these exciting things started happening right away and it was great. And, and, you know, it was wonderful and exciting and you know, the the longer I stayed up there, the the more you know, it kind of um, uh, the the work dwindled out a little bit. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I looked very young. Mm. Um, so I was playing children. I was I was essentially playing teenage roles when I first Oliver, got up there. Oliver, Oliver, right. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I did I did play Oliver at the Fulton here, and like so uh, long, okay. long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, so in any in any event, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So in any event, um, I, um, you know, just kind of, uh, for a number of years, um, I continued to work, but it just wasn't as, as frequent. And, um, I just decided that, uh, there was something missing. And, um, so I went back to college down in North Carolina and, um, my brother and sister both ended up in that region. Um, my brother's a woodworker. So the North Carolina is kind of the, the Mecca yeah. for, for woodworking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my sister, Andrea, she, um, just went down there and saw where he was living and thought this would be a great place to raise her daughter. So she went there. And so when I was wanting to get out of New York, I just kind of threw a dart at a map and said, you know, um, Let's let's go to North Carolina, and I chose a college near them, um, which was Appalachian State University, and uh-huh. I got a communications major. Um, at the time, I joined a church because I'm a singer, and um, it was the first time I really heard scripture read. Um, uh, you know, it was just a, I was in a denomination where the you know scripture is constantly being read as part of the the service and the liturgy, and. Uh, I remember hearing, um, you know, in Matthew, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Um, I was naked and you clothed me. And it was the first time that I sort of, the Christianity touched me, you know. Uh, um, I saw how there was kind of this reversal of the hierarchy in a way. Uh And and that I could kind of get to know Christ by... um, W- you know in in my neighbor who was in need, you know that 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 whoever was in my life who was struggling or um, you know w- was in need in a, in a sense, I could get to know Christ through you know through my neighbor mm-hmm. and also in my enemy
0: <laughs> yeah right who I,
1: who I could make the conscious choice to love. Um, right right right. And so that was the first time that Christianity really touched me. Um but so, um, it,
0: so it was very counterintuitive like that message of like the the last shall be first and the first shall be last. I mean it's part of the paradox that uh, Soren gets into that right. we know that we know is true but it's not easy. It's a puzzle. Like it's something that requires a lot of thinking, a lot of meditating, a lot of acting upon but it's it, it's not easy, you know. It's like a, it's it's paradoxical. Like how do, how do how does the last become first? Like that doesn't Right. That doesn't, that doesn't add up in the like in the theater world. It doesn't add up in the corporate world. It doesn't add up in uh, right. the sports world or the performing right. performing right. artists like music. Right. You know, like no, the, the, the first shall be first and the last shall be last. So yeah. It's interesting right. how that, that paradoxical thing lets you know at the least there was a lot of depth there, that it wasn't quite I don't know what your your thoughts were about Christianity from the outside looking in. Uh, yeah. I was raised Catholic, so I had some structure. Uh, some some vestment of, of scriptural knowledge, I guess, even before I was a Christian. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it kind of strikes you, and all of a sudden you're like a like would say, uh, your inward person's kind of awoken. You know, it's like, right. wait a minute, I hear right. a voice here that doesn't that doesn't sound like the world. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Yeah,
1: and you know what you just said made me think of. Uh, I believe it's I don't know which book of his it's in, but he does talk about how. Uh, you know, that idea of loving your neighbor is just, it just doesn't come naturally. The idea of loving your enemy, it's not something that comes naturally to us. And in that sense, it's sort of, Proof that it's divine, that it's of a divine origin, yeah, you know? yeah. And he said, like,
0: the love of unequals is, is a miracle. Like, he said, the yes. world, and, and this is like kind of what Jesus would talk about they can love people love you. That's kind of a reciprocal relationship, right? You, you scratch my back, I scratch yours emotionally, psychologically, etc. etc. Exactly. But, but he talks exactly. about the love among unequals is kind of a miracle because, in, in the worldly sense, it's, it's about the power game and the fact that somebody who has power has authority would love someone beneath them eh, strikes us as a bit, a bit uh, against the grain of the world, I would suppose, you know?
1: Absolutely. That kind of thing. So
0: tell tell us a little bit about the, uh, the one man play that you did and kind of how you, how you got the inspiration to do it, what it taught you about Soarin'. And, uh, like, maybe the future that you have, maybe with that idea again. Like, I could see a film being made about Soren. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it would be a a, a box office. (laughs) But who knows, you know? like Occasionally, these films come out of nowhere that are just the right time and the right place and the right message for whatever the culture is starving for. And um, interesting with this actor strike and with this... uh, Writer strike. I mean, you were talking about being an actor. Like a lot of times, we don't realize. Like the top name people get a lot of money, but the the day in day out actor who's doing the supporting roles or in the background or has a few lines, they're not making a ton of money. So, you know, you never know. You never know. Like sometimes something that's low budget and done with passion and done with creativity and innovation can strike the culture in a way that, you know, we have a brief shining moment of clarity and people go, Absolutely. There's, there's something about this. So anyway, I, I want to encourage you to continue to build on your, uh, on your, uh, on your work with sworn, because I don't think a lot of people are doing that. Again, the odds of you being five, miles away from me and both of us right. kind of being uh, acolytes of uh, Soren to the degree that we see Christ through him and God through him. Yeah. Super interesting. So talk about LEAP and what, where it came sure. from and, and where, where, where you are with it and where it's headed.
1: Sure. Well, when I was down in North Carolina and I was kind of seeking spiritual food, uh, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Fear and Trembling. Yeah, and start, off with, he, start
0: off with the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> i'm, right, not, here, gonna go to, I'm not gonna a, go i'm not gonna go too
1: in depth with that <laughs> here's a, here's the beginning book to kind of whet your appetite <laughs> yes yes well, it's interesting because you and I have been looking at, at the discourses, and in yeah, a way, uh-huh. in a way, that's such a breath of fresh air. You know? yeah, I mean, yeah, it's be, very be, applicable because <laughs> so many of his popular works that everyone refers you to are so complicated. You yeah, know, sure. mm-hmm. and and when we get into the discourses, it's really the Kierkegaard, the pastor. You know, right? Exactly. Um, so um, I, you know, he, he gave me that book. I don't think I really understood it. Yeah, um, did I. I thought, I yeah. Did. Yeah, but um, you know, what what I what I did see in that book was I kind of saw myself. Yeah, you know? okay. Uh-huh. And I just I just like like I, Abraham or uh, well, I know, I just I just I thought who is this guy? You okay. know, this oh, this that's... Kierkegaard, this Kierkegaard oh, so because like the I, author itself, okay? Yeah. It. Uh-huh. I I, I could just relate to him, you uh-huh. know. I, okay. I didn't know who this voice was, who this person mm. was behind the mm-hmm. behind the words, but I just thought, you know, and I and I kept looking at the front of the um, just inside the cover to see the year because uh-huh. it just seemed like it was written yesterday, yeah, know?
0: yeah, it has an eternal nature to <laughs> it,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, and it just the way the way he spoke in the introduction about the times we're living in, and mm. I just thought, when was this written? I mean, it yeah, just, right, it just seemed like it was talking to our speaking to our times, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so that was my introduction to Kirk. I was just being fascinated by this person. And the more that I read about him and his life, the more I could, I felt like I could relate to him. And as an actor, I mean, it was kind of purely selfish because as, as an actor, you're always looking for a vehicle for yourself. You know, they always say, Mm -hmm. they always say, don't, you know, don't (laughs) wait for the audition to come through, you know,
0: make your, make your
1: own vehicle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've always generally be, been interested in in history, right. and uh, interestingly, I wrote a one man play about Jerry Lee Lewis, the rock and roll musician, who recently passed away. Right. this was a long time ago. Okay, nice. <laughs> um,
0: and so um, and him and Soren are a lot alike. No, I'm kidding. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe they are. They're both artists. I, I think right. Jerry Lee Lewis had like this kind of paradoxical thing going on that he was kind yes. of a hellion. Yeah, right, right. But right, also right. extremely talented. So he had, right. like, the gifting of God to be a musician, right. to be a exactly. pianist. And just did something, like, like almost like Hendrix on the, on the guitar. Yes. But yes. then but then he's, like, pretty bass in what he's singing about. So it's this real right. like, kind of sludgy diamond right. type of thing going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. and he and he <laughs> was, and, you know, <laughs> if any rock and roll musician has wrestled with God, it was Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, yeah, so, and he's, like, you know. the
0: cousin of, like, Jimmy, right. Jimmy, Jimmy Swagger, right. you
1: know? right exactly like a, yeah so that kind of, yeah, okay. so, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so so you had a so you had like a kind of like a sore and planted in your soul what i got a fear and trembling i don't know if you did at all like you yeah. kind of normalized doubt which yeah. in the christian community like i grew up kind of in the evangelical community after college and in college and afterwards that doubt was kind of of the devil. Like it's always right. of the devil. It's always wrong. It's like, you know, it's the whisper of the evil one this and that. And that's true to the degree. It is true, but uh-huh. doubt can also drive us to greater depth. Like I don't right. understand this, like Abraham, right. You know, he, he talks about Abraham walking with um, Isaac uh, in that three day journey to Mount Moriah and how he's in like an agony and how he's being sacrificed as he's walking. And I never really thought about it. I kind of, had the evangelical kind of mindset that Abraham's like, okay, God called me to kill Isaac. Okay. Time to go take right. care of business on my to-do list. Right. Whatever. Right. I'm going to like, I, maybe I was, like, I, that's a little facetious, but you know what I'm saying? I, I kind yes. of spiritualize a little bit versus look at the human ag- agony that Abraham was under. And I, and I remember appreciating that. like, here's somebody that's talking about doubt in a very genuine way. Like he's being called, and asked to sacrifice the greatest person, the greatest thing in his life, the child of the promise and how, um, how, uh, dismantling that might have been you know or yes. should have been or could have been from god himself you know the one that said you shall not kill is telling him to lay down his son and i right. always looked at it like well abraham had to let go of isaac in order for isaac to become the person he needed to be like right. he was kind of he was too protective maybe and his mom was too protective like sarah was too right. protective so maybe they needed to let go and that's the idea that jesus said you must hate your mother and father before you can really follow me it sounds like a Wow, Jesus telling us to hate our our parents and love our enemies. Right. What's what's up with that? But it, it, you got to look at the context. Like if if your um if your parents are keeping you from following the Lord, then that's something that has to die. Like you can still have a relationship with it, but it's on God's terms versus human terms. Did that appeal to you at all? Because I know that was a big thing for me because that was the it was the big was the big shadow in the church that nobody ever talked about, but it was always looming. You know, and all the bright lights. There was always that shadow of like. I, I get it, like I believe, sure. but it doesn't, doesn't mean I have all the answers. Did that appeal to you at all? Or was it well, sure. a
1: Okay. I mean, a I, I was struggling to figure out, you know, what I believed and struggling mm-hmm. with the, the Christian doctrine and, mm-hmm. and certainly, you know, the, the agony that is expressed in that, in that book think um, to thing I think the thing out got the of out of of fear and trembling was just this idea that there's something higher than the ethical. Yep. And so you know, and and the Abraham story is sort of the most pointed way of saying that. You yeah, know? sure is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know that that um, you know, um, you know, e- e- even if you don't, you know, literally believe that there was an Abraham, which at the time, you know, I'm not sure I did. You know, right, right. Uh, right. But even even if you just take it as as you know a story, you mm-hmm. know, pointed way of expressing that idea. Um, you know, and you have to be careful when you talk about these things, you yeah, know, because yeah. they're, right. <laughs> but, um, because obviously no one condones, you know, murdering your own child. Mm-hmm. But the but the idea is that um, uh, you know that that we all have a personal relationship uh, with our creator. And, um, and ethics, you know, the, 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 ethical framework of society can only get you so far. You right. And, and, and it doesn't
0: teach you how to love your enemy really, because like right. the, uh, the ethical thing is to do unto others just so they would have unto you the golden rule, right? That's, that's the, um, ethical, that's the ethical law. That's, that's the like, kind of golden rule. Right. But What happens right. when our, when our enemies don't treat us as we want to be treated, you know, that's a violation of the golden rule. So ethics in that sense kind of crashes and burns like it. We still right. want to practice the ethical towards that person, but the emotional damage or trauma, the, the, like I'm talking about real abuse, not just slights or microaggressions right. or stuff like that, where somebody genuinely gets harmed physically or emotionally or psychologically by someone who's doing evil consciously. Right. That, mm-hmm. that you know, the ethical is, is very hard to draw upon at that point because it's not, it's not derived in something larger than, than, than that, those principles. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like so, absolutely. Yeah, that, and also good. just mm-hmm. by, you know, but the idea that the other thing that struck me was just the idea that um, it's only in, in putting God first that you get mm-hmm. to keep that you get to keep anything in your life. You right, know? right, right. And yeah. and uh, the Abraham story is is an expression, a pointed expression of that as well. But, yep. you know, all, it's only by loving God the most and being the mm-hmm. most um the most dutiful to God that mm-hmm. you, that you get to keep anything you love in life. Right.
0: Right. You that's know? good
1: insight. And it's like yeah. the
0: uh, uh, upbuilding discourse number five, where um, Soren talks about, we can start off with five and kind of work backwards or whatever. Sure.
1: Sure. Well, we'll... I've actually, I've read five and one, so. Okay. That's to... good. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, so let's yeah. start
0: with five then, because sure, I think it's sure. probably a good one um, yeah. where he talks about prosperity and adversity can both awaken the inner person. Because the person who's prosperous may say, well, I know that I can lose all this or like, who do I thank for being prosperous? You're talking about that um, relationship with God. So the person who says, I don't know where my prosperity has come from and just goes about merrily along their way. They haven't been like their inner being has not been strengthened yet because they they are putting like their hope and their trust in something that could be taken away from them. Right. So like Soren talks about, maybe you felt this way as an actor. I know like when I've been on the precipice of success and I had a lot of success in my life, but not, but not what I would consider big success. Like I was successful as a school counselor for 30 right. years. I have a PhD, I wrote a book, whatever. Like, you know, I have some accomplishments or whatever, but there's been times that I've been right on the edge of kind of breaking through the wall to get to the next level and being very fearful of it. Cause I was like, Oh, there's a lot of responsibility now. And it made me very self-conscious. Like as a former athlete, like the idea, like the bigger crowd you play for the more your mistakes are magnified and a very difficult time, like handing that over to God, my identity was always at stake that inability to be really like, I'm just going to kind of, do what God calls me to do and let the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to be reckless. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not going to be flagrant. Uh, I will work hard, but let the success belong like to belong to God and let God own it. And I've tried to do that with this podcast. And part of my lack of polish with this podcast is intentional because I like it roughly hewn. Like I, I, I joke around mm-hmm. a little bit and I was criticized that I sip my coffee too loud. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want to make this thing so slick. Right that, you know, like nobody can relate to it. Like, okay, if you sneeze, that, that that's a human element. It's like Jesus wasn't afraid to be human. Right. He wasn't afraid to cry. He wasn't afraid to sweat. He wasn't afraid right. to be disappointed. And Amen. I feel, And I feel like a lot of times on podcasts or on productions or YouTube videos, oh, we got to cut that because it's not, um, you know, like that sneeze or that, uh, whatever the sitting of coffee or whatever not like, it doesn't fit like what I'm trying to project here. And right. I, I think there's probably a place for professionalism. I'm not saying like, if you're an actor, go blow your lines and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I think there's also need to be kind of human in the context of things. So I, I love what you said about like making God, um, like kind of the center and then everything else is gravy, like whether it's taken away or whether you have it, whether you yeah. get more or whether you get less, and how has that helped you? I mean, I find, like, with the, this 18 Upbuilding Discourses, I'm always getting takeaways of, like, oh, this really helps me with, um, like, this idea or this practice or this way of doing things. Tell me how this MH, um Upbuilding Discourse 5
1: is helping you with
0: applicability.
1: Well, uh, I think that, um, just like you said, I, I think that we can kind of get lost in... Um, if if life is going great, we can get lost in that, um, and if life is going terribly, we can get lost in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I could really relate. There, there's one point in this in this piece when he talks about how you know we can have a tendency to sort of. Um, ignore god but sort of wrestle with our problems alone and then then we we have this triumphant moment when of success through right through a kind of common grace you know Yep, yep. common grace uh, is a
0: theological term that god lets the uh the sun shine on both the righteous and unrighteous and the rain fall on both good and evil that's from jesus just right right Whenever, whenever whenever i whenever i see soren using scriptural verses whether they're cited or not I always feel like the need to kind of point it out because I think people could just read right over and say, oh, that's pretty sure. insightful, Soren, but they don't realize where it comes from. So common sure. grace is this idea is God is gracious to humanity by providing resources and his love and his caring. Then it's different than being converted, but it's like just right. a biblical idea. yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So I, I think, you know, I, I, in my life, my current life, I plan a lot of events, you know, right. and mm-hmm. And there's there can be always be this anxiety associated with everyone you know? sure, be, sure before before everyone I I just think you know why am I getting uptight about this because <laughs> it always it always goes well you know uh, it always yeah, yeah. works out God always provides you know mm-hmm. but I think that's part of the applicability is is just sort of seeing that um, I mean just 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 seeing God's work in in in, in your daily life and, and staying close to God, no matter what is going on, you know, um, when things are going really well, you know, just, just giving all praise and glory to God and, Mm -hmm. and thanking him and staying close. Um, and, and that way when things are triumphant as they usually turn out to be, um, uh you know i'm not giving all praise to myself and right, right. you know i'm not saying oh look at what i did you know um and i think i think in in my past life before mm-hmm. you know faith entered the equation um yeah i just kind of uh w- w- would give myself all the glory for you know the 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 role that i got or right 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 you know the uh, the law and order episode <laughs> that I booked, you know, nice, um, nice, and, yeah. and it's just, it's just like, um, and then at, just as you said, uh, if that's the way that you live your life, you know, when it all goes away, what do you have, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so, um, and, you know, and, and like I said, I think the inverse is true. Um, if they are going horribly, um, you know, you really have to just see, I mean, I, I, I really like this idea of just every bit of adversity in a way, thanking God for it, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. because because it's humbling you, you know, oh, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 forming you into, you know, a whole person, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with every bit of adversity. And like Soren talks about, you know, voluntary suffering. I think that's really what what he's talking yeah. about. It's yeah, not right. unnecessary suffering. It's not, not sure masochism you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um which has its place but like <laughs>
0: yeah mountain biking but, in particular yeah. right I've been, exactly. ma- I've, been, I've been mountain biking recently and i bear upon my body the scars of that experience yes Yeah. at some point i'm gonna have to lay down the bike you know i'm almost 60 years old i think uh, i probably got <laughs> it five years left before i've got to sell my bike and give it away or something i don't know interesting but yeah well, god can use almost anything because uh, the world would say, well, success uh, helps us uh, develop a healthy identity or self-esteem. Uh, but then what, what happens when we have adversity? Is it going to detract? I mean, that's part of that equation that if we think prosperity builds these things, then adversity should, should subtract these things. That's the world right. worldly equation. And it really doesn't. We I'd all know people that have been through heartache that have a lot of depth. And I always remember this uh, Peanuts cartoon from when I was a kid that I happened to keep these Peanuts books. They were like first <laughs> edition. Uh, I got them at a, like a trade. You know, when you're kids, you trade stuff. Like I might have yes. traded something that my, my, my kid across the street, the kid across the street wanted. He's a little bit older than me. I think he felt he outgrew uh, Peanuts books and, you know, it was just right – At my age group, the Peanuts made a lot of sense because he was kind of um, deep and theological, but also funny and simplistic in a way. But um, it was a cartoon with Lucy sitting behind the... uh, the uh, psychiatrist desk that a you know, doctor is in five cents, please. And a lot of our audience won't remember that or doesn't know that at all. Right. Right. But for my generation, that was so foundational to um, like, we grew up with that because that was one of the few comics that we had access to in the newspapers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Lucy is, is sitting there and Charlie Brown comes walking up and says, uh, you know, Lucy, my life's been really, really hard recently and just tr- struggles and trials and troubles and adversity. And, uh, Lucy, uh, you know, kicks back and says, well, you know, Charlie Brown, uh, adversity prepares you for the things of life. And then the next mm-hmm. frame, uh, Charlie Brown says, well, Lucy, what, what things are you talking about? And then Lucy says, well, more adversity. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when right. I read that in college, I, I laughed and I cried at the same time. I'm like, oh, yeah. there's so much truth in that. The idea of good grief and all that. And I got to visit the, uh, Charles Schultz museum when I was out in Santa Clara this uh, past spring, which wow. was a dream come true. And they actually had that, um, uh, The doctor is in um, kind of they have a a built there like they they constructed a vision of that 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 Schultz had in his cartoons and you can sit behind the desk and people come to talk to you and all that kind of stuff.
1: Did you you do that? I I
0: didn't. I probably should have or could have.
1: (laughs) You could have uh, talked about Soren to people. Yeah, I
0: could have. I could yeah. have just waited there. I remember when I was out in L.A. one time, I was interviewed by an atheist for a documentary, and they weren't expecting me. You know, they weren't expecting right. somebody to really be pretty informed about a lot of the issues. Right. And I could see the guy kind of going like, this is not the dude we won't be talking to. He's actually ans- <laughs> he's yeah. actually answering my questions. Uh, so let's go to uh, the the 1st uh, the upbuilding discourse, sure. the expectancy of faith. So I, yes. what I got out of the... Um, Upbuilding uh, discourse number five, the strengthening of their being is the fatherhood of God, where Soren talks about like our earthly fathers can only commiserate with us; they often can't give us a lot more than they do- they themselves don't have, you uh-huh. know. And we all have like fathers that are either wise or not wise or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Soren says, "Well, how much better to depend on your on your heavenly Father who knows all and has all all power." And right. that kind of, that kind of struck me as like oh that's that's a good way of looking at it yeah like yes. we like and sometimes the deficiencies of our parents and this is not mm-hmm. to cast like cast aspersions upon them and this and that right but their 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 flaws and their weaknesses can actually point us towards God because we realize that we can't depend entirely on our our families or our parents to guide us like they they are right. they are broken and they may have more than we do but that's not usual but <laughs> at the same time. Uh, you know, when you start to think, realize your parents aren't who you thought they were when you were younger, and you see them for who they are in a clearer way, it's it's kind of hard to deal with, you know, because you you've put so much hope on them when you're younger, and they get yes. older, and you realize oh they're kind of broken vessels also, and you see the hurts and the things they've been through,
1: and then hopefully
0: it inculcates compassion at some point. You know, you, you can you know not decry it a bit, but you also want to have compassion on your parents, I suppose. At least I do. You
1: know. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's it's interesting to I you know when you start to see that your parents are human beings, that's right? Right, quite the awakening, yes. it is. And,
0: yeah. and I, I remember I beat my dad in chess when I was about twelve years old, and uh, I remember I had a great deal of pride in doing it because my dad was kind of menacing as a way psychologically as when I was a kid he was very intimidating. He wasn't mm-hmm. like physically abusive, but he was mentally hard to relate to, and he was critical. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I remember when I beat him in chess, I'm like. Uh, turn the tables baby <laughs> you know, they gave me this sense of like inordinate pride you know and it right. wasn't good because i started to go too far the other way with it. like oh my dad's just an ass he's darth right. Vader, or whatever he is right right you know right. and then you get older yeah. and you're like oh, okay that that was simplistic that's this uh, adolescent ignorance or uh adolescence know it allness like catching the right type of thing or, right or, yeah uh, owen caulfield is that his name owen caulfield uh yeah, and I remember Something when I read like that. Yeah. when I read Car- Catching the Rye, I'm like, "Oh, this guy's a jerk, man! It's like dude, just an adolescent know-it-all." But uh, right. anyway, it has its right. point. So let's go to uh, let's go to expectancy of faith uh, oh, building sure. discourse number one. So I got off track there. That's um, okay. But uh, you're, you're like just waiting me out. <laughs> Take a deep deep breath, big man. Uh, hey man, it's, it's your it. podcast. You can talk no, about anything you want. No, it's Thorne's podcast. And yeah. God, but anyway.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, yeah.
0: so give us what you, uh, what you think about ex- expectancy of faith, the upbuilding uh, discourse number
1: one. Sure. Uh, well, this is one that I kind of struggled with for a while and then it, and then it all just kind of lit up for me you know, okay. after I struggled with it. Those are, those are always the best readings. Right. You know, right. Ones right. That you really wrestle with, but, um, you know, I, I what I got out of it was just the message that faith is something that is given to all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not something that we are to wish for because it's right there for the taking. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so, you know, Soren's very clear that faith is something that we either will or we do not. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I keep thinking of this analogy of someone who decides to kind of walk outside in public naked, you know? And, you know, there there's a certain shame that that <laughs> is 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 felt by that person obviously and by the people around them, you know? And obviously, someone like that, you would want to like with anyone. You you want to tr- treat them with respect, but there's this certain kind of shame associated with this weird behavior. Right, know? right, sure. And so, so I was thinking about that because he does touch on the sort of shame that is associated with, with, um, with doubt. You know, um, not. You know, and not the kind of doubt that we were talking about earlier, where you're just asking questions in order to foster your own faith, mm-hmm. but just that that kind of um, you know, like like I said, you know, he he expresses that we are all given faith, and it's just something that everyone has access to, and it's something that you either will or you don't. So he yeah. he does he he does touch on the idea that you know when when you have. Uh, One thing that I've been thinking about is just that when I choose to believe, uh, in Christ, it's not something that I, that I know, but it's something that I choose to believe. Right. And so therefore doubt Mm -hmm. should be used carefully as, as a kind of a tool that helps to nurture my faith, um, Rather than just something that I use to kind of bring other people down or bring myself down, does that mm-hmm. make sense?
0: Yeah, it's almost maybe like a curiosity. Uh, maybe that doubt is like they say there's got like, good doubt and bad doubt, right? And, like one of the one of the, maybe the purposes of the church, especially when like raising kids and teenagers, is let them understand the difference. Because if we demonize doubt altogether, that's also right. another way of saying of curiosity. Well, right. This doesn't quite make sense to me yet. Maybe I have to think about this some more. Um, And this is like, I think it's like page 11, where he says, we talk about the simplicity of faith, very likely, he would be taken aback by these words and would think, then this faith is probably not as glorious as it is made out to be since it is acquired so easily. Indeed, it would also be an absurdity. We travel the wide world over for other goods. They lie concealed in a remote place accessible to human beings only at great risk. And so he's kind of talking about the pool of Bethesda where he, like you just get down, like uh, the, the first person into the pool gets, one gets healed. It's not right. like that, uh, that gaining, it involves no difficulty. Right. Uh, you know, and it's difficult in a way cause it calls us to lay down our self sufficiency. Like right. the way that maybe the way that we define difficulty is a little bit too, uh, for lack of a better word, too personal. Whereas, laying down our self-sufficiency is really the issue. Like faith says I'm not going to have all the answers and to let it humble us and let it make us, uh, you know, approachable. And I always use an example. It's like a tightrope. The higher you are on the tightrope, the more you can fall. So maybe it's good not to put the tight a uh, 150 feet up in the air and make it three feet up in the air. You know what I mean? Like that's right. like, kind of like, like be humble enough that when you fall you don't kill yourself that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. That yeah. And there's a there's a quote that I I I, I have a Facebook uh, page called Simply Soren which I don't oh, po- I I don't post on very often anymore. I but...
0: think I found you through that yeah. originally because when <laughs> yes. I got when I got I got your name off uh, off the program for your production of Leap, I think that was the first place I saw you. Right. And I may have sent you a message through that page. Now that I think about it.
1: Right. Mm. Um. So there, there's a quote that I, I shared on that page um, from, I believe it's from maybe the introductions, if you're in trembling, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. it's, it's from Johann, Johannes de Silencio. Um, right. And the quote is, I'm a shrewd fellow by nature, such as always have great difficulty making the movement of faith, though I wouldn't attach any importance in itself to a difficulty which by overcoming it brings a shrewd fellow no further than the most ordinary and simple minded person has has already reached without the difficulty, Uh you know? So it gets at that idea that the intellect can (laughs) just get in, get in the way of of something that's so simple, you know? Yeah. I think, I think Calvin said something
0: like, uh, well, I don't know if Calvin said it, but it's a definitely Calvinistic type of idea. It's not the mind. rebels against god it's the will or the heart you know it's like our affections and then we'll use our mind to kind of de facto explain our position right if you know like it's like a kid that's caught red-handed you know their alibis come afterwards where they start to say well i did this because of this or that other person did this and then the mind comes in to be an ally to the idols of our absolutely like the idols are like okay i need an explanation so it's like oh i'm not like this I just have a, you know, I have a, 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 I'm sensitive. I don't have a bad temper. I'm just sensitive or I'm an artist or I'm a, you know, I'm a creative. Like, you know, i just kind of, we can all get into that. Like, I'm just moody because I'm, I'm, I'm I see great things or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, so how does, uh, like, I, I think one thing that maybe you found in Soren that you found interesting is that when you were reading him and you read his, his voice coming through uh, fear and trembling, even though he wrote that as a pseudonym, I think it was Climacus who wrote that, Y'all House Climacus, like he has all yeah. these pseudonyms for various reasons, and it's so not, I haven't quite figured it all out, but there's a reason why he adopted these postures, and it's interesting when you see memes of Soren, they say, well, Soren said this, you know, you know he did, <laughs> but he didn't, right. you know, he's disastrous, well, he was in a pseudonym, he's like the guy that's in the ethical stage, or in the aesthetic stage, or whatever, right, um, so I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with this, but with Soren, I think you, you probably recognize the voice of an artist, yeah, you know, I, I yes. think Soren, because he uh, was led by the Spirit of God, and um, you know had this, this supernatural kind of gifting to just see through the clouds and to make right. sense of things. Right. That we we all when we start to hear it explain, we're like, oh, what I thought was maybe simple was complex, and what I thought complex is simple. Yeah. I You maybe like you found like a fellow traveler who just had gone further than we had. Like this is yes. a guy that appeared over the horizon and saw things and he's he's sharing it with us and like yes. uh, wow did you find that to be true like you as you read yes. story, like this is a person that might have been hard to hang out with yes but I'm, I'm, but I'm sure glad that he uh he put his thoughts into writing because how instructive you know
1: <laughs> right well it's it's interesting to have met you and and to be working on some of these discourses that are written from Presumably from the real Soren Kierkegaard's yeah. They perspective, yeah, for sure. You know, and and these are, you know, and and so many of the pseudonymous works, pseudonymous works that we're all introduced to early because they're the famous ones, right? Um, are you know are written from more of a perspective of doubt. You know, mm-hmm. there are these mm-hmm. these characters who are more who are wrestling with faith much more than the Soren Kierkegaard who is yeah, for you sure. know, in, in the, in the discourses. Uh-huh. So, so it's, it's just interesting for me at this point in my life to have met you and, and to, to read Soren with the eyes of a believer, you know, right, right. it just, it just, the, the, you know, with the Holy spirit, the, 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 the page just lights up for me. You know. So
0: let's talk about your like your experience of faith. I would assume sure. that like fear and trembling helped you and nudged you along in, in some way or some some manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have a story that's uh, kind of your own path that you weren't necessarily raised in the church. I don't think you were like your your right. belief system wasn't really informed by church except for maybe in a very like salutatory way uh, mid Christmas yes. Easter or whatever. Right. Um, like I said, I was raised with Catholic guilt, so I had all that going for me, but <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, they say Jews are born with guilt, but Catholics have to learn it, and I, I yeah, had this, yeah. my, 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 my faith system may be very dependent on grace because uh, I got the message in the Catholic Church that you'll never measure up, and Christ right. is still yeah. on the cross, and you gotta kind of measure up to the standard, and if you don't, then you're, you know, just whatever. So tell right. us about your own story of conversion. I assume it, sure. it was fairly recently, but maybe not. It sounds like a process, and that's a that's a true car horn in the background. You live in Lancaster. It is.
1: Yes, I do. Oh. Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. True car horn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, sense. yes. I mean, um, you know, it, it's a process. You know, it, it's it's something that uh, I think began you know, when I was a baby and I was baptized in the Presbyterian church, uh, Okay. Uh-huh. you know, um, oh, yeah, yeah. not that, you know, I, I, today I wouldn't place much, much, much importance on infant baptism necessarily. Right. right. Um, but, um, but I've always felt that, that, um, that rooting in the Presbyterian church, mm. um, did help to guide me. I mean, you know, we all go through our personal struggles, and I, throughout the, the darkest moments, I always felt like I had value in the eyes of God, you know? Okay. So that was kind um, of
0: something that was inside of you, regardless of whether absolutely. you went to church or read the Bible or prayed or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I, I, uh, I
0: would say that's similar to me that I always felt like my life was meaningful. Yes. Uh, be, being born premature and not, almost not making it. one way I developed some, some sense of meaning was like, well, I could have died and I didn't. So there may be some reason that I'm still here, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. It's kind of of a starting point. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, I, I had some, you know, very, very dark moments, you Mm -hmm. know, just going up to New York as an 18 year old and, um, just, just, you know, it's, uh, it's a jungle, as my mother would say, <laughs> up there. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I was very young and innocent, and and mm-hmm. you know, and that led me into some, you know, wonderfully exciting moments, but also very dark moments. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and so, um, but I never ever uh, lost the feeling that I was worth something uh-huh. more, and that I had value um and that i was more than just these things i was accomplishing on the stage you know or mm-hmm. or on law and mm-hmm. order or anything um I, I was i was i was um something other than my resume you know and, and, and that includes my bad resume the, the sins that i you know committed right right you know? right the rap sheet um, right exactly so uh-huh. um so, uh like I said, would you, would you
0: I... call that a conscience, or would you call it the inner the inner person that Saurian's talking about? I mean, I think conscience is is somewhat connected to that. It's mm-hmm. like they say that conscience is God's voice to us. Yeah, that tells us like the inner law that Romans talks about that the Gentiles know God and they mm-hmm. they have they have God in a way that's not based on the law, but it's. God speaks through them. them are their conscience. So they're what C.S. Lewis would call the Dow, You know, the universe mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah it so might have been mean, a little of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always had that fire going within you. Even that, yes, it was it was, it, it was unquenchable, but it might have been small at some points or larger yes. or smaller. Yeah, okay.
1: And I and I, I I guess I knew I had it because I saw so many people around me who didn't. Right, and I would and I would probe those folks, and you know, kind of you know, ask, ask the big question. I could mm. see that they just, it wasn't even on their radar. Uh, okay. And you felt um, like you felt this tugging, like, no, it is sure. on your
0: radar, or it should be on
1: your radar. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm. like I said, I, you know, I, I, I did have a moment, um, you know, in my late twenties when I really became conscious of God and uh, it wasn't really a Christian perspective. It was just, mm. you know, this is, um, you know, this is something that I believe, you know, there is something bigger than me out there. So, so, that's
0: you start, so, so you go from like kind of a, kind of a loose, like deism to more of a theistic standpoint. Like we're getting more right. like the C.S. Lewis conversion where God, God worked in him from an atheist. Well, he was a right. believer when he was a kid or nominal believer. And then he goes through atheism through World War One, and sees all the destruction of that. And that, right. that destroyed the faith of a lot of people. And then he becomes a theist. Or a deist, then a theist, then he becomes a Christian. Those are all progressions, you know. <laughs> right. Like, oh, God is uh, not just the watchmaker. He also is um, active. You know, he also changes things. He's active in the world. And then he's not just like kind of like active in the world. He also cares about us. So it goes from uh, kind of an imp- impersonal nothingness to an impersonal something and then a personal something and then an active something and then a caring something a, a deity or like it's, there's a progression there of a theological, right. a, theological Absolutely. steps of some, and we go through those and I think, I think somebody can go from atheism to belief in a, in a, in a heartbeat, you know, if God calls them, but sometimes it's the unraveling of things that need to be taken away and then the reinsertion or the reattachment or the acquaintance of things that we didn't know i don't know, right. you know that, right. uh, made it, maybe for me it, was, it mine was like a once and done thing yeah but di- mm-hmm. but it didn't happen to, like i didn't wasn't cleaned up overnight and i'm still not cleaned right. up the right right <laughs> you know right. like but, but it, was, it was a definite like breaking point where i went from unbelief to belief in a very right. personal way But then it wasn't like the the sun shined and the rainbow came out and the birds started chirping. It's like, I I still have my hard life that I have to deal with and my knee pain and whatever. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: But so you're you're one of these guys that's kind of going, like we tend to see, well, I had faith when I was younger and then I lost it as I got older. But it's always such a miracle when it goes the other way. Right. And you see somebody who's like, like faith focus gets clearer and deeper as they, as they go, get older, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like a really cool phenomenon, like it, right. it's counterintuitive to the, how the, the typical tale goes, you know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, Absolutely. I, I was yeah. a child and naive and now I'm
1: wise and I'm, I'm a skeptic, you know, that's, that's where I stand whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, like I said, yeah. So I, I moved down to North Carolina, and and that was the first time that I really heard scripture read in that church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I shared with you, I just sort of I was very moved by the Christian message, right? Um, and but I still, you know, I didn't fully embrace it because I had trouble embracing the idea of the cross and that you know Jesus died for my sins and mm. that um and that uh by accepting that gift you mm. know that that I could receive grace i i i really wanted to believe that i could kind of um work work <laughs> myself into salvation yeah, yeah 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 and, uh-huh. and because that that really just you know it gives you a level of control right you know? right, right, right right um And you know, I still I still struggle with that. Oh, sure, it's a daily thing. Yeah, for sure. But um, but there's um, but there's something about you know talking to people like you and connecting with other believers. Um, you know, I did have I did have an experience relatively recently where I really felt God's presence in my life and the Holy Spirit for the first time. Wow. And and um, and you know, like you said, that happens, and then you kind of. Have to go on with your crazy life, you know. Right, right, right. God,
0: God gives us those mountaintop experiences, but we can't live there because that's not where the work
1: is, you know. Right.
0: (laughs) It's down. It's down the valley, man. (laughs)
1: Right. But I do notice that every time I connect with another believer like you, right, sure that that feeling reemerges in my heart. It's just like it's like a fire that just flame that never really goes out, but it just and gets... that, and, that,
0: and that's why we have to have fellowship because if we spend right. our time around those that don't have faith like i in some ways like being around non-christians has always given me the hope that they needed something that they didn't know they needed you know and that sounds mm-hmm. really patronizing in a may, way mm-hmm. but it's also the gospel like it's true about all of us like we all need right. god like you know right. so i'm not trying to be uh, patronizing or paternal or anything like that but like being around non-Christians sometimes really helps me in a way to see the importance of what faith makes the difference. Like, oh. Right. Like I don't have to have that sixth beer or that fifth beer. Like I can be content and like having my beer and walking away because I know that's not where my hope is or like right. uh, I'm not sitting here at the bar hoping to catch the eye of some woman who's looking to have a night of engagement with somebody that's not that's not how i'm that's not how i'm ordered you know right right. so you know and then but then the converse side is don't put too much space there like take the time to be with christians and to be reminded of what we believe and to be encouraged and like i have like people i did this road trip recently of eight thousand miles across the united states and some people who know me were like somewhat pleased or surprised and took joy in the fact that i knew so many people across the states and that i could connect with all these people across the united states and on the way back and they made comments about i'm like well that's that's my faith you know like a lot of these people are christians that i connected with at one point that we're still friends we still share that in common and even though we're separated by distance god has made us close because we share a common history and a common future and why wouldn't I still be friends with these people? And social media has helped that, you know? So I had to give the word to God in that, that. It wasn't my own doing, in a way. It was kind of like mm. God was just kind to me to give me good relationships with good people mm. who were dependable. You know, that kind of thing. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's pre- it's pre- it's a real blessing, and I would be a, a punk not to thank God for the friendships that have been nurtured in the church. So we need a little bit of an inside-outside game, I suppose. Like, be outside mm-hmm. enough that we see the need for it, but be inside enough that we can be healed and be encouraged. Like, I guess mm-hmm. that's the in- inside-outside game, which is like a term from basketball, that the best teams have an inside-outside game where you have to play from the outside but also on the inside. And
1: um, Yeah. Amen. Good stuff.
0: So we're yeah. coming up on uh, 50 minutes here. I usually I can't go any longer than an hour because with the uh, yep. with the uh, Spotify app, it cuts me off after an hour. Do you have anything else that you would like to share that I, I I can't pretend like I've asked all the questions that need to be asked or expressed all the thoughts that need to be expressed? I'm just going to give you kind of a blank uh, blank slate here to recreate the remaining five minutes or so with anything that you think you would like to share.
1: Sure. Well, I. I think, you know, this is something that we've talked about uh, between the two of us, you know, when when we've met for coffee and just chatted online. Um, But I, you know, I'd love to see more people read Kierkegaard, you know, and I think that's why you do what you do. And that's Mm -hmm. why I do what I do. Um, That's, you know, a huge motive in my writing my play. Um, But I, I think that there's been such an emphasis placed on Soren Kierkegaard as the father of existentialism, Mm -hmm. you know, and the existentialist (laughs) philosopher. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, he's not sort of placed on the same shelf as a C.S. Lewis. Right. Exactly. Um, But there's so much rich faith in his writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, and, and I think that's been largely missed by, um, you know, by, by the culture generally. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would love to see, I think it would be good for uh, the church and everyone um, mm-hmm. to, to give him a more prominent place in, in mm-hmm. the dialogue. Oh, I, um, can't,
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to write my play was I I've been astounded by um, the appeal that I feel he has to any kind of Christian. you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and and sort of my, my dream when I wrote it, and this is something that I still think about doing is taking it to churches because I don't think there's, I don't think there's a single kind of church, whether it was Mm -hmm. denominational or Unitarian or, Mm -hmm. you know, the most evangelical um, church that, I mean, there, there, there may be a few sort of like fringe fundamentalist churches that just, don't (laughs) that, that sort of, you know, aren't willing to explore anything other than than the Bible, you know. Right. So, right, right. so there mm-hmm. there's that. But um I really think that um any anyone, you know, at any point in their spiritual journey, um, you know, whether they're a Christian or not, can get something special from Kierkegaard and meaningful from Kierkegaard. Exactly. And I would I would say it's especially true, um you know with the evangelical church um i think mm-hmm. that i think that um the the orthodoxy of kierkegaard has been missed you know oh, it certainly
0: has and I, I, yeah. I talked about in a previous episode you may not be super familiar with francis schaefer who was a uh, a presbyterian minister back in the 50s and 60s who created a movement called the brie which is mm-hmm. ultimately to kind of give hope to the uh, young adults of that generation that the gospel still spoke to them and the Bible was relevant. So he was kind of a popularizer of philosophy and of art and of music and of culture,
1: mm-hmm. but he,
0: he never took a deep dive into one like person specifically. And he kind of mischaracterized Soren as being kind of illogical, like he well, he's writes stuff. that's like kind of inspiring, but he's not grounded in scriptural truth. And I'm like, Francis Schaeffer, yeah. Did you take the time to read Soren besides right. stand through it? Like, like that's a simplistic understanding. Right. And how many people were detracted and distracted and persuaded to to not pursue Soren as a result? So it's like this 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 gift to the church, Soren who wrote like a madman, an inspired madman for like maybe 15 years and brought us all these books and all these gifts and they just sit on the shelf and all that sacrifice and all that pouring out of his life and all this God's like teaching him and instructing him. It's just gathered dust. And I'm like, you know, Francis Schaeffer and those like them have mischaracterized him as not being theologically Orthodox. I'm like, are you
1: crazy? Have you read him? Right. You well, know? and I think I think in a way that's by his design because he wrote under yeah. these pseudonyms. Who, yeah, you know, and and but you know, one I think you're, a beautiful you're, way. You're for completely right. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think I think, but that's the beautiful thing, and I think my story is a testament to what his mission was, which was yeah. to trick pe- trick people into faith. You yeah, know? The, the indirect communication
0: thing, and also right. it also reminds yeah. me of like Jesus telling the parables, like hearing they listening they won't hear and, and whatever and they won't understand like there's an idea that people's intentions will block them from the truth if they don't want to hear they can hear the words but still not listen or whatever that that paradox is and it it also makes you kind of like say well this isn't this is not somebody easily disregarded like i have to treat Soren seriously i can't just treat him like he's like here today gone tomorrow like right. he's got something to say and he's got he's got a lot of depth and i we have to get out of the out of the kind of characterizations but you're you're right the pseudonym thing was it's mischaracterized but mischaracterized by a lot of people and i find it very frustrating that a friend of mine sent me a, a link about a Kierkegaard video that was talking about how he was the father of existentialism and how he doesn't really believe in logic or in truth it's all subjective i'm like it's such a mischaracterization right absolutely and and they would bring up the pseudonyms as if it was his own voice And i'm like they put this guy this really slick video with a lot of neat graphics they didn't (laughs) they didn't take the time to read 15 pages of something he had written you know like that would do more for them than anything and that right i find that infinitely frustrating but also gives me give me a purpose to continue on this podcast well brother it's been good chatting with you today Thank you. It's been Uh, wonderful. Thanks. It's been, it's been a complete blessing. And we'll uh, we'll keep the uh, listeners uh, kind of informed if uh, we do anything with Tom Becker's Row House. I know I, Dom and I went uh, out for a bike ride on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And as we were munching on our food down at the Tomato Fest in Washington Borough, he mentioned that you had been talking with him about doing something with Kierkegaard and through, uh, through the Row House, which is supported by the church, but it's not the church. And sometimes those ministries that sit along the side of the church can do more work and take on more topics that may be not the right context to do within the body of the church but they can bring it to the church as a gift and then also have the freedom the governance and the ideas to kind of do it their own way without having to run through all the committees and all the elders and all that kind of stuff so i, I think there may be some future here so let's keep uh, keep working at it and keep reading thank you brother see ya take care Bye. bye bye